Today's podcast episode is sponsored by the Afterlife Awareness Conference. The Afterlife Conference will be virtual again this year in 2021, and we hope you'll join us online June 24th through the 27th. As we have done for the last 11 years, we unite the disciplines in exploring the survival of consciousness after death, offering wisdom from hospice professionals, physicians, mediums, shamans, scholars, and counselors who share a deep understanding of death and beyond. This year, we are honored to have Dr. Robert Thurman, a worldwide authority on Indo-Tibetan Buddhism, as our keynote speaker. He'll be teaching us how to die like a Tibetan Buddhist and is also offering a workshop on Buddhist cosmology. We are also proud to feature returning scholar Dr. Ken Doka, senior consultant to the Hospice Foundation of America, who will talk about the mystical experiences of the dying, and Dr. Jeff Black, a psychiatrist who is also a shamanic practitioner who works with ritual practices for death and bereavement. In addition, we have general sessions addressing everything from music, Phantology and death doula work to ancestral healing practices and grief support. And there are continuing education credits available for licensed professionals. Visit our website at afterlifeconference.com for all the details. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast today. I can't even tell you how excited I am for this conversation. I am crawling out of my skin just a little bit with so much excitement. My guest today is Jana Romer. She happens to be one of my favorite teachers on Insight Timer. If you have not listened uh, to some of her meditations there, it's going to be pretty amazing for you to listen to. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But we're going to talk about something new today in the podcast. I have not yet had a guest on to talk about Yoga Nidra or Ash. Astro Nidra. So Astro Nidra, this is where I'm a little nervous today because Jana and I got a chance to meet uh, actually a couple months ago before bringing her on and she just wanted to get a feel for who I was, what will we talk about and um, she's so easy to talk to and we were talking about birth charts and I said well you know I really try to be as vulnerable as I can with my audience and open. And I know many of you know that my mom had passed away pretty tragically in October of 2019. So Jana had said, wow, you know, this is something that we could possibly look at, look at both of the birth birth charts and just see a little bit more about this relationship. So I was like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't even know anybody could do that. (laughs) So, um, So before I give her a chance to speak, I'd like to introduce you to her. And I found something on her website that she wrote that is just so beautiful. And so I wanted to read that first, and then I'll tell you a little bit about Jana. So there are so many ways to be a human, and within each life, we live multiple incarnations determined by our choices. To explain who Jana Romer is by listing experiences, hardships, or moments of joy only offers a distorted glimpse. We live, we make choices, we deal with consequences, We break, we grow, we forgive, we celebrate, we laugh. This is life. Mm -hmm. We all do it and it looks different for each of us. In the end, we all long for the same things, to be heard, to be seen, 
to belong, to love and be loved. So beautiful, Jana, when I read that, I was like brought to tears. And um, and just to let you guys know a little bit about this magnificent woman, she has over 20 years of study, 13 years of teaching. Um, she has synthesized her two great loves, astrology and yoga nidra, to create astro nidras, which is a process of meditation where the body relaxes to a sleep state while the mind stays awake. And in her own words, it's a practice that is a cure for an overly critical and busy mind. She's also studied with Dr. Joe Dispenza. She's been a student of Ram Das. She's a mother of two. Again, she's a teacher on Insight Timer. She was a part-time flight attendant, I learned, and a professional figure skater here who figure skated competitively. Um, she broke her back snowboarding and has back and head surgery, which is like amazing to see that you even went on, you know, after that happened to be this magnificent yoga teacher. She's backpacked, I feel like, all over the world, Thailand, Malaysia, Australia. What hasn't this woman done? So I just find you to be so interesting and fascinating and really feel honored that you're a guest here on the podcast. So welcome. Wow. Thank you for having me. You really dug in. <laughs> I did. I love to learn about my guests, you know, and so it was important to me to really learn about who you were. Thank you. Yeah, it's I haven't that that piece that uh, is on my bio. I actually haven't read that in quite some time. It almost brought tears to my own eyes because it's just so true for me. Like we change and we evolve and we long for these things. And it's just I don't know. I just I get why you said you almost teared up. I forgot that I wrote that, you know, but yeah. Yeah. And I loved, you know, that we live multiple incarnations, you know, and just like learning a bit about you. It's like, yeah, you know, you could see your journey. It's like here you were here and then you were doing this and then this and then this transformation and the studying and this teaching and these teachers that came to you and then everything evolved and I'm sure it's still evolving. So um, I'm really I, I have listened to all of your yoga nidra um, meditations on insight timer and, uh, the music, I, we have to talk about the music. Who's composing <laughs> that music for you? Because it sounds like there's binaural beats in there. Yes. I mean, it transports you. And I've, I've listened to some really good kind of binaural beat music. And this is one of the best that I feel like I've heard. Is it binaural beat music? You got some stuff going on in the ears there. <laughs> there's definitely stuff going on. Yeah. You know what, that the, the, it's a good friend of mine who made the music and they're custom to those exact practices as well and he's working with sound healing and working with like you said the binaural beats um, but he doesn't do it full-time he's actually a he's actually a pilot who's been traveling the world at some of these massive um, fire he's a firefighter pilot and so I actually haven't been able to get him to do much since Australia was on fire a few years ago because he's now uh, flying <laughs> saving saving us from these fires so I hope to get him doing more, but he actually, the first year that I was creating those astronidros, he's on every single track. So the ones that you see on Insight Timer and then also on um, Attuned to the Moon as well is the, he's, he's there. He's amazing. He's extraordinary. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, so maybe you, oh, go ahead. Yeah. What is his I name? Saying, yeah. His name is Jeff Agosti. 
well, tell Jeff he needs to like get his butt in the studio and make some more music. I mean, it's really good quality. Um, Really, really good. And so can you talk a little bit first about your journey with Yoga Nidra? Um, Because one of the things I I also have a training in hypnotherapy. So there are some techniques that of an induction process where you're having us like, you know, with our fingers and our toes and like all these parts of the body. And then we kind of let it go. But I also heard a lot of Joe Dispenza's work in there of kind of, you know, recognizing that your space and time and how you're relative to that and like, you know, your space and time and the community outside of you and then the world and all of that. So I, I love the blend of everything. Um, but I don't know a lot about the purpose of yoga nitra, except I think it's part of the meditation practice of a yoga practice. Well, yes and no. So the easiest way that I like to explain it is, first of all, it's impossible to explain until you do it. You know, it's like if I were to tell you about the smell of Costa Rica, you wouldn't I could I could explain it in many different ways. But until you get off the plane in Costa Rica and smell that yourself, you don't really know what it is because it's more than a smell. It's a texture and it's a temperature and it's, you know, it's more than that. And so it's difficult to explain, but what I like to explain it as if meditation had a partner, a lover, (laughs) yoga nidra would be the lover of meditation because they're so complementary to each other and they really complete each other. And what I found is that a lot of people come to me about meditation and they're like, I can't meditate. You know, I, I sit down to meditate. I close my eyes and it is loud in there there is a lot going on or they'll say my body is so uncomfortable how do you just sit there there's just these physical psychological emotional barriers for somebody to sit down and meditate where in yoga nidra instead of you know in meditation where we're saying focus the mind a lot of times a lot of meditations say focus in yoga nidra we say welcome it all home (laughs) you know like everything that you are is welcome inside of this space And so meditation is more masculine in nature. It's you're seated, you're upright. It's a vertical practice. Yoga Nidra is more feminine in nature. It's reclined, it's laying down, it's receptive. Where in meditation, we're asking the mind to focus or we're giving specific instructions. Although there are instructions in Yoga Nidra, more specifically, what we're doing is saying, just allow whatever you are to be what it is. And yes, I'll guide you because like you were saying, that induction process of hypnotherapy, it's not a mistake. You know, there's science behind it. We're working with the nervous system. We're working with the endocrine system. We're working very specifically with the nature of the mind to be able to dive underneath the barrier of the analytical mind. And when you go from the conscious mind and you dive under the analytical mind, You start to swim in this vast open field of the subconscious mind. And that's where a lot of our story lives. It's where a lot of the things that we don't even realize are creating our view of the world, are creating our perception, live in the subconscious mind. And that's why um, things like hypnotherapy and theta Um, healing and yoga nidra, they have a very similar uh, kind of feeling to them, although each are quite unique. And I think yoga nidra specifically, at least the way that I work with it, is we're 
looking to go from the most obvious and accessible, which is the physical body, and slowly moving into increasingly um, subtle uh, layers of the body. And so in yoga philosophy, we call it the koshas. And um, the way that I do it, though, I kind of break the rules. But if we were going from the koshas, it would be, yes, we address the physical body. We've got the food body, our, our matter, our, like our bones and our blood and our flesh. And then underneath that or it, moving through that more accurately, we have the energetic body, which is the breath. It's our nervous system. And I think there's kind of this bridge between the nervous system and the endocrine system in the energetic body or the pranic body, our life force. And then even more subtle than that, we have the nature of the mind. So now it's like the thought waves. <laughs> and um, in the nature of the mind, then we work even more so with the, with the emotions. And so then we bring the chemical body back in there. And the chemical body on its own, the glandular system is quite mysterious because it our, our chemicals change so quickly, it's almost impossible to um, test in a way that allows us to understand the breadth of the endocrine system. And so to study the endocrine system is really, um, I like to empower people through the practice of yoga nature to study the endocrine system through their own felt experience. And then even more subtle than that, we have the intuition and so as we go from like the physical to the energetic, to the mental, emotional, to the intuitive body, then inside the practice, we can even go one layer deeper into the bliss body. And then even beyond one layer deeper where what happens, like we get belong, most people can get underneath the analyzer quite easily, but can you get beyond the ego? And when we get beyond the ego in the practice, that's when this infinite field of possibilities, there's Joe Dispenza's language, <laughs> that <laughs> infinite field of possibilities really opens up to us and we access the quantum realm or the invisible realm, the spirit realm, the, you know, we return home and you can define what home means for you. And to me, that's, that's the sweet spot of the whole practice. And because you're not fighting with your body like people do in meditation and because you're not telling the mind to be quiet you're just giving the mind a job it's like feel this feel this feel this and then you get the nervous system to hum in a coherent state which means the nervous system is only focusing on one thing the one same thing is to observe what's inside to feel what's inside and then once you get there that busyness of the mind you don't have to tell it to do anything or worry about anything because the nervous system, like our most powerful battery takes over. The mind is, who knows where the mind is, but it's not right. even a player in the game anymore, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 And, and the process too, you know, with the meditations that I listen to, um, it's amazing how you can go through the whole body and kind of like the short period of time. I think one of the longest ones you have is the 48 minutes, which is like you really expand out into time and space. And that was a lot of fun. Um, I think I fell asleep in and out through some of it, but um, yeah. And it's just so relaxing and you can really feel, I have a pretty good meditation practice, but you can really feel it's almost like this click and this shift where the brain kind 
kind of like you said, like, Ooh, okay. And then you come to that. My experience is coming more to that still point of consciousness. Um, and then stuff happens. I don't even know what's happening, but something big is happening, you know, when, when that's going on. So tell me a little bit more about your love for astrology and how did you begin to combine these two? Cause I've never heard of astro nidron. Is this actually something that you're creating yourself and came up with and kind of like maybe we could call you the founder of it (laughs) yeah when I started to pair astrology and yoga nature together I don't know anybody else that was doing it it was you know I came from a I was a yoga teacher and my one of my quite a few of my teachers would always say bring a theme into the class because yoga is one thing but what transforms us is our attitude what transforms us is our personality or our approach to anything. Like anybody can wash the dishes, but somebody washes the dishes with resentment in their heart is going to have a very different experience than somebody who's washing dishes with joy in their heart. And so I was always taught when you're, when you're guiding the practice of yoga, that if you bring a theme to just like bring some attention to a desired state or, or to cultivate an attitude towards life, then the practice will be far more transformative. And I really loved astrology. I think astrology is a very useful language and guide and something that if I have anything to do with it will become more commonplace in the world as a way to understand and build compassion for ourselves and others and to validate who we are um, because it explains our diversity. And I started to just bring astrology into my yoga classes and it was really in the beginning it was like okay it's the equinox what does the equinox mean or it's the solstice or it's a new moon or it's a full moon and I sometimes would use like kind of nerdy science facts like astronomy NASA stats like did you know gravity is stronger during the new moon (laughs) you know and um, just share you know little tidbits like that and get them to use that experience of gravity to let themselves be heavy and relax into the earth or to allow the earth to hold them more as a way of teaching surrender without saying the word surrender. Because I think when people hear the word surrender, they're like, yeah, okay, I'm trying, but you can't do surrender. It's something that has to happen or you have to allow for it. And so I always was searching for ways to help people embody these big concepts that weren't necessarily easy to explain. And I found astrology to be very helpful with that. And then I started bringing it in a little bit more and people would come up to me after class and be like, how did you know that's exactly what I'm going through right now? <laughs> like exactly what I'm going through. And um, it just, that's how it started. And I was teaching a class that was uh, an hour long uh, yoga class and then a 30 minute yoga nidra. And I would just take that theme all the way through And I mean, some people didn't like it, of course, some people didn't like it, but more so people really liked it. I actually got fired from a yoga studio for talking about (laughs) astrology too much. (laughs) (laughs) And here you are now, right? (laughs) Who knew, you know? Um, But yeah, and so, and then people would say like, can you record this? Or there was one woman in particular that suggested I stream it and I I did, and I didn't think anybody would really care. I thought she was just being nice, <laughs> you know, and turns out people liked it. So that's the way that came to be. And the more I work with astrology, the more it validates itself. 
time and time again. And I think 2020 was a prime example of astrology validating itself. It was a year where everything from the breakout of the pandemic to the fires in California to the protests, not just in America, but through Europe and in Hong Kong and like literally all over the world, the timing of these things was just spot on with the astrology. And so I've been calling 2020 astrology's renaissance year. And uh, with the astro nidras, one of, okay, I'm just going to back this up one little bit. In the oldest astrology books that I can find, they are medical astrology books. Nice. And the, the, uh, there's a woman who specializes in medical astrology today, and her name is Judith Hill. And she was, it was the first medical astrology book that I got. And in the introduction to it, it she says, bef- it, back in the day, when astrology and astronomy were one, they weren't divided into the mystic and the sciences. It was just a mystical science, or actually it was just the way. Um, You couldn't be a doctor without being an astrologer because we are inextricably linked to the stars. And so they could tell um, different health um, uh, factors based off of somebody's personal astrology. And this to me is so interesting and exciting because the more I go into that, the more I see every planet and every sign is linked to an organ. And depending on how they're aspecting, it can tell about a dysfunction or an opportunity to heal a particular body part or organ. We can learn about optimal times for even surgeries and stuff like this. And so what I started to do with the Astro Nidras, which is actually the three that are on Insight Timer were originally Astro Nidras that I just called them something else for the purpose of Insight Timer, is we're working on specific areas of the body. And by using them at that time, we're actually optimizing our health. Because that um, still mind that you spoke of before, where you said you don't know what's happening, we get ourselves into a state with our nervous system and our endocrine system that what starts to happen is we're pouring healing chemicals into our body. We're pouring the most healing hormones and chemicals into our body. And it's when we disengage from the process of living, <laughs> like it's, it's a yoga nature is a, a conscious disassociation. We get out of the way and we let the inner genius of the body go into heal and so when I'm designing these astro nidras, I'm doing them in such a way that we're working on the body part that the astrology is also actively working on healing at that time. Wow. So it's more than just like a meditation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're working with the we're working with the universe, you know. Wow. So. Yeah. Astrology fascinates me too. I mean, I've never studied it uh, nearly in depth like that you're doing. And just going back to 2020, um, you know, I would see like people post on Instagram, like the last time all of these planets lined up was this or that. And this planet and this planet and this planet are all like in line with each other. And I don't really know what that means. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all with the 2020 being the Renaissance year, but it definitely felt like something was going on. And I know people that studied astrology um, would say, and I have a couple of friends that were studying it, were like, yeah, th- so this makes sense. Like when I look to the stars, this is all making sense that this is happening. And to think that 
you know, our organs can be associated with that and our health and the planets. It's like, it's so wild to me. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so helpful. You know, the community that I work with regularly, I do, I run new moon circles every time there's a new moon. So every month I'm meeting with a couple few hundred people. And then I, like, in addition to the astronauts and the people that have been consistently coming to those circles where we're really breaking down what's going on. Like the most common thing people say is that knowing that it was all written in the stars softened their anxiety. It let them be more at ease with what what's happening because there's a plan. We might not like the plan. It might not feel good. It might be incredibly uncomfortable and heartbreaking and sad and scary, but there's a plan. And I think that's where the root of all religion or all spirituality comes from is this desire to know that there's something bigger. There's a bigger force at play. And astrology is not a religion. It's a map. You know, it's a map to what's been written. It's like the human guidebook that we all say, like, there was a guidebook for this. It's like, yeah, it's called astrology. It's there. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So before we kind of maybe go into what you um, kind of saw in my chart, my mom's chart, and you're kind of going to give a little bit of a demonstration, like how you work with people with this. And um, I'm assuming too, that if I came to you for an individual session, you would probably then bring me through a yoga nidra meditation, possibly is like, is there meditation with the the chart reading that goes together? Or is it too separate? What I do is I I actually have like a membership site. It's just called attunetothemoon.com. And I built this site in a way that the back end of the website is attached to the planets and the stars and the constellations. It's called the ephemeris in astrology speak. And then I actually like hook the practices into the back end onto different astrological events so that when you come to the website, all you see are practices that are relevant to today's astrology. Uh-huh. And okay. what we're developing it out to be in the future is that then you can also see practices that are specific to you and today's astrology. So step one is just what's going on with everybody. And then step two will be we'll personalize it in there. And I mean, we live in a world and even the astrology is saying this, like technology is going through puberty. <laughs> you know, like technology <laughs> is going through this huge growth phase. And I just thought, why not harness the power of technology to be able to reach more people and help more people with these practices? Because in order to really uh, get the most out of these practices, it's all about the timing. And so I just created a place where we're harnessing the power of technology to help people with the timing. So you don't need to know astrology to get benefits from this practice that I'm creating here. Um, And for a reading with me, I might tell you like, here's what I recommend for you, but readings for with me, usually I start with an understanding that, first of all, never let astrology or anything for that matter override your intuition. If what I'm about to say is not true for you, trust yourself more than you trust me as the interpreter of the stars, because there are multiple interpretations of what's going on in the sky. And then what I find to be more common than anything else is astrology, people's natal charts, Um, what's going on with the sky, it tends to be a validator for what you already know. And most people are in question of, you know, I think we have a bag of self-doubt or a 
plague of confusion or we have um, a lot of times so many people are telling us what we need and what to do and how to feel and who to be and what's responsible or what's acceptable. But often what the external world is telling us is in direct conflict with what the inner world is telling us. And when we look at the astrology, oftentimes it gives people permission to unplug from the many sources that are saying be this and return to that source and soul essence of like what you came here to do or, or what your path or purpose is. And so I, I really see astrology as a tool for validation, but also to like bolster self-belief and understanding of like, I, I can do this weird thing that doesn't make sense to anybody but me, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> makes sense. Now, I want to ask you real quick, too, um, as you were learning about this, I'm sure you were looking at your chart. Um, I mean, clearly, you are here to do big things um, in this lifetime. And I mean, you know, when I was going over your bio and just learning about you and I'm like, oh, my God, she has traveled so much. Look at these teachers that she has, you know, uh, sat with and learned from and then the reach and the audience and, you know, the people that come to you and how you've you've built this great, you know, following. What is what does your chart say? I want to know more about like once you learned it, were you like, oh my god, I'm gonna do? I, there's the possibility for me to do really big things. Like I, I assume I don't know what house it is, but clearly you're <laughs> you're a teacher made for grand spiritual things here. So uh, what what's kind of like an overall theme um, of your chart? You know, I just want to, I, I am like so tickled by hearing you say this because I'm like a mom of two who's like, you know, I'm really living, like I'm a householder, I'm a mom and I get that I'm having an impact. I get that like things move up, but that's not how I see me. You know, I'm just like, mm. I still see myself as this vulnerable girl trying to do the best that I can. You know, when I look at my chart though, I have um, what's called a stellium. And a stellium is when you have four or more planets in one sign. And mm-hmm. I actually have five planets plus my rising all in the same sign. Wow. And they're, they're in the 12th house. And the 12th house is um, the house of the subconscious mind. There's a lot of different ways that can be interpreted. But the way I interpret it is the house of the subconscious mind and the world beyond form. And it's very spiritual. It's where I think that still point exists. You know, like that's where all my planets are focused. And part of my work is to help more people understand that we're more than just this physical human being, you know, like a big part of my purpose is to help people remember their purpose, to live a purpose-driven life. And in my, in my chart, I have Saturn in the first house and Saturn is the house of responsibilities and um, it's in the first house, which is like my identity and my ego. And so I feel overly responsible for a lot of things. Like I feel everything that I do, I'm like overly responsible for what it is that I'm doing. And I, I feel a big weight to do these things. But then I also have this other thing that can be very, very challenging, which is Pluto, which is the planet of death, transformation and rebirth. And really, Pluto is the bar door, that that gap. Like what happens after you die? What happens in that space if you if somebody were to believe in reincarnation when you leave this body and then you come into another body? That's Pluto's domain. It's like the underworld or the whatever. And that's conjunct my son. And so that's me, my ego, and how I radiate into the world. And so those two are together. And not to appropriate this word, but I think this word gives it a really good meaning is that a lot of times people talk about 
Pluto as being very shamanistic in that it's like taking people through deep transformations. And that's next to my son, which is like what I'm here to do. And then the other thing that's in my chart, I think that kind of gives uh, indication to all of the things in my life is that Uranus and Mercury are also together in the third house. And Uranus is like the planet of awakening. It's like shocking and um, Uranus is sometimes hard to handle and sometimes really awesome to handle and Mercury's together. And so I remember I had a chart reading done by this one woman. I still get my chart read all the time, by the way. I think it's so interesting to hear other people. And she said, oh, you're here to bring messages of awakening. Like everything you communicate is to help people awaken. And so I have kind of those three things in there. But there's more, but... (laughs) Well, cool. I think you're amazing, even though you're this down-to-earth mom of two and probably feeling like crazy and like, oh my God, and I have all this responsibility and these, you know, meditations and this website and all these classes to do, but you're doing a great job. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I love it. Yeah. So why don't you kind of bring me into um, just kind of on a whim here. I gave you my birth date and time and uh, let you know that the day that my mom had passed October 19th and um, however you'd like to interpret and whatever you feel would be helpful. Um, And it's kind of a good teaching moment to show people that, you know, uh, maybe even looking, maybe there might be some moms that even want to look at their children's charts, um, you know, what that looks like. And this could possibly be opening people up to doing a little more investigation in some birth charts. So I'm excited to hear. Yeah, well, children's birth charts are really an interesting topic because some astrologers will say, do not do that. And so if you're looking at your child's chart, I always say, like, don't let it have you projecting on them, you know, like let it teach you how they emote and what kind of communication helps them. But yeah, it's also interesting. So you're, you're a double Aries. Do you know this? Your, your son and your, yeah, your son and your moon are in Aries. And one of the first things that I like to look at when I'm looking at charts are the moon phase and your moon phase is the it's right you're just right before the new moon so it's in the new moon energy because it's both the double aries aries moon aries sun but it's right before the new moon is exact and that's important because if the moon is just after the moon is exact it's a completely different energy and this is um this is you are here if you can imagine um a gardener and how a gardener would take their plant all the way through its life cycle. Have you ever grown spinach and let it overgrow and then it grows, it comes to seed? Not yet, but I'm just starting my garden this year. (laughs) Okay, great. So if you, if you like let your herbs or your spinach or they're, they're really easy to propagate, but come to seed, then all at the, at that phase of the plant's life, it's, it's grown through, it's given the leaves, you're able to like eat your bounty from it, right? Like all the, all the harvest. But then what happens next is all of the life force from the plant gets poured into the seeds and then the seeds can be harvested and stored till the next season and then planted in the ground to create new life. And that's the phase that you're at in this life is that you're, you're, it's like an accumulation of many, many lifetimes or so much expertise that you're, that you're here to, to, um, pour your life force into seeds that then help so many other people to grow 
in their life and flourish in their life. And so you're, you incarnated as a wisdom keeper, like you came with depth, you're an old soul, you, you, there's just some things that you understand innately that other people are just starting to discover in this life. And you're here to, if you're not here to um, help grow those seeds, you're definitely here to plant those seeds in other people. And so it's really important. Uh, it's an important job. I have, I'm in the same moon phase as you. Um, and then with that, you're an Aries. And so you're actually not here to do it like anybody else. <laughs> Aries are like, they're like the prototype maker. They're the trailblazer. They're pioneers. They're, they don't have a big brother or sister to copy. They, you know, they're the infant and they're starting fresh. They're not jaded. They're, they're new. They're, yeah, they're like the prototype maker. You're an innovator. And so you're not a follower and that kind of bores you anyways. True. Very true. <laughs> it's been done. I'm not interested in that. Like somebody else can do that. I'm here to bring something fresh and new. Mm-hmm. And so that makes you not really much of a rule follower at times. <laughs> very also very true. Yep. <laughs> Which can be very challenging for other people when they want you to follow yes. rules, but it doesn't make sense for you to follow rules. Um, and then what is also very uh, obvious in your chart is that Chiron, Chiron is an asteroid. Chiron goes back and forth between the visible world and the invisible world. Chiron doesn't follow the same pattern as the rest of the planets. It's going from like the personal to the impersonal. And your Chiron is very close to your sun. Now, Chiron is interesting because Chiron is that, well, Chiron was a music teacher in mythology. And the song that Chiron is teaching us to sing is the wisdom song that comes from our wounds. And so this, this place of woundage within ourselves that then becomes our wisdom. Okay, so Chiron is conjunct your son, which means that you are here to work with suffering as a way of liberation. Like there is something in there. And sometimes when we see Chiron in this exact position, it's a little bit indicative of uh, like not feeling like you were seen when you were younger or like, like there's something, yeah, about not being seen or, or um, even sometimes respected, but more so it's about being seen. And what happened when I look at the transits at the day when your mother's accident was, Uranus is sitting on top of, it's like you're just coming out of this transit where Uranus is sitting on top of your Chiron. And Uranus will bring upheaval. It will bring like shocking news. It will bring um, something that all the, you're driving, right? Like your, your path is this way and something happens and now your path is going left. And it's just like course change. And it's when I know that it was your mother that the like it was your mother's accident and her death and it's Chiron which is next to your son this it it like very it makes sense that you would have a massive life event right then now one thing that I will say is that Chiron is a very slow moving planet you know Chiron's in Taurus and stays in is going to be in Taurus for like eight years ish and so it's a slow transit but it's it's like over those eight years, it's close to where your Chiron is inside of Taurus. And so you have some 
planned upheaval at this time already. Now, in in your um, where your mother is in your chart, you have the planet Neptune, and wow! Now I'm going to cry because of everything that's been happening on this call. So Neptune is um, the planet of the world beyond. Neptune is, we can't see Neptune with a bare eye. Neptune is, uh, is like, represents the things that we cannot see. And your Neptune lives in the house where your mother is. Mm. And so her role, although it is big in her life, obviously, because she, she's your mom, her role expands in your life when she's beyond form, like she starts to play a bigger role when she's alive with that, with I'm looking at a whole bunch of things. I'm not going to explain all the intricate details because I can get boring for the non-astrology people. <laughs> but what I see in your chart is that it, it was potentially a very challenging relationship with her where maybe there wasn't clear boundaries or maybe boundaries were blurred quite a bit, or maybe there was like a deep love, but then there was like almost a darkness to this love, or there was like a, there's this flowing energy in your chart with your mom that is both, uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's both harmonious and it's both very challenging. It's both connected, but also very, unpredictable or un mm, it's really a lack of boundaries I think that would be like the easiest way to say it there's like somewhere in there that's caused a lack of boundaries that then maybe created a bit of confusion sometimes because you loved her but then it didn't feel good but then it did but then it didn't and this is very much what I'm what I see there um and so the other thing about when she died that's in your chart is there's a there's a a point in everybody's chart, it's called the North Node. And the North Node is, some people call it your destiny. It's like it helps us understand our destiny or our fate or our purpose or our dharma in this lifetime. And when she passed away, your son was not exact, but wait, no, pretty much exactly on top of your North Node. And so then this also indicates like, the sun was saying, okay, there's a change in your purpose now. Like this is like a, another change. So you, you have two indicators of pretty big change, like in your own suffering and in your own purpose at this time. I'm going to flip to your mom's chart for a second, because now that I see that piece about her in your chart, I just want to see. So we don't have your mom's exact birth time. So we don't have all the same details. Right. That we do with you. Um, but your mom was born not quite in the new moon phase, but just beyond it. But she's on the other side of the moon. And when I look at a mom and a daughter, I would guess that there are many times in your life where you felt like the mom and she was the kid. Like, yes, that's the boundaries <laughs> you were talking about. Yes. <laughs> yeah, where you're just like, how do you not have this figured out yet, mom? Because yes, you got exactly. it and she didn't. Right. Um, she's a very young soul, a really, really young soul. And your mom had big emotions. Like you're fiery because you, you're, you're triple fire. I think, let me go back to what your rising sign was. Cause I think you're Leo rising as well. So yeah, yeah. you're Leo rising and then a sun and moon and Aries. So you're fiery. And 
I don't think that um, fire signs get enough credit for being highly intuitive people because the, the fire moves faster than the intellect. And so you don't get bogged down in overthinking necessarily. You're more like take action, deal with consequences later. Your mom was a water um, moon. Her moon is in cancer. And so was her Venus and her, and her Pluto and her moon and her Pluto were together. Kind of like how my, my son and Pluto were together. And so your mom, maybe she didn't recognize this within herself, but everyone she was in relationship with was changed by the relationship that they had with her. She couldn't help it. She may have been a little bit of a, a loose cannon in some ways. Um, and it forced people, people probably really, really loved her. She maybe had a lot of codependency stuff going on in her world because of this. Yep. She maybe like needed the people that were in her life. And then it called a lot of people like to be in your mom's life required a lot from everybody. And so then that made for transformation in, in everybody. And it's not saying that it's good or bad. It's just saying that because she's a really young soul and because she has high relational needs and big emotions and like needs others to participate in her emotions and her emotions are a little bit, um, just bigger, just big emotions, whatever coping strategies she came up with often involved the relationships that she was in. And then there was opposite Pluto. And so her battle always, or not Pluto, pardon me, Saturn, her battle potentially could have always been fighting against the boundaries that other people (laughs) tried to put with her actively fighting against them. So it's not just like a disregard of the boundaries. It was like actually fighting against the boundaries. And then both of those are square Uranus, which we've talked about in um, how Uranus was activating your Chiron. So both of those are square Uranus in her chart, meaning like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but I, I feel like she's laughing with me right now. Like she's, she's kind of like a, <laughs> I'm going to say it, I'm hearing it. And so I'm just going to say, it. she's kind of like a Tasmanian devil. Like she would like rip through scenes and there would be like a trail behind her, where it's just like, she would cause upheaval. And then she didn't really care so much about the trail as much as like just getting her next need met. So Yes. Um, and then at the moment of her death, she had the North Node, which is that purpose, conjunct in the sky, conjunct her moon. And so this moment was like, it was like an emotional liberation for her, like this massive liberation for her because her emotions almost became her enemy in her life. And this is like, she got this like she, the purpose of that moment of death for her was to be liberated from these big emotions that maybe were bigger than her sometimes, or, or she couldn't get a grip on them always or whatever that meant, you know? Um, so yeah, there was a big liberation moment for her. And then on top of that, her Uranus in the sky was on top of her North node. Oh my gosh. And your North node, no, sorry. Her North node is conjunct your Chiron, which is even more mind boggling. You guys, I didn't look at her chart beforehand. I'm just going to confess. And this is what happens. I'm like, what? This is even possible. But like her North node is on the same as your Chiron. So her purpose is directly connected to your suffering, 
and what you do with that suffering and how you turn that into wisdom, how you then take that to create seeds to help others become liberated. Do you see that? I, yes. And I am a little speechless at the moment. Yes. Because since her death, I feel, yeah, I felt like, you know, given the platform that I have and I do so much in research of the afterlife and life after death and, you know, having the podcast and the documentaries that we made and, you know, I'm a mental health therapist as well. Um, and then I do energy work and healing work, you know, all of this stuff. But when my mom died, I was like, there's a teaching moment here. Like I have to do something with this. And so I'm actually in the process of kind of doing some journaling, coming up with some podcasts to process it because I feel like like, like you said, with my experience and through that suffering, I know that there are things that I can share that are going to help others. And it's because of her. And, and we definitely have a better relationship now that she is crossed over because she was just, um, I don't want to, tormented might be a tough word, but like tormented by her emotions and her own trauma in her life, which then led her, you know, to addiction And then the people that she would get involved in and the Tasmanian devil thing, I have to laugh too, because not only was I dealing with like picking up the pieces of her accident and then like I'm in, you know, police, police department and, you know, like the whole thing that goes along with investigations after something like this has happened. But then I go to find out that like she has a car, but it was stolen and we didn't know where the car was. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have to trade in these plates. And then there was like this whole police report about like these people that stole her car before. So like now I'm also trying to recover a stolen car and where is it impounded? And we couldn't find I mean when you say Tasmanian devil and the mess that she left afterwards I like didn't even have a chance to almost process the death because there was so much else given her lifestyle and how she was living um, that was a complete disaster and uh, you know what's really interesting and I say this to our listeners too is that you know you, you don't know me you didn't know my mom you are quickly looking at the charts, right? You didn't get a chance to really study it beforehand. And there's a lot of what you've said that I've gone to um, mediums, um, you know, for, I, I think I saw about three, I have some very good personal friends, um, you know, that have been on the podcast before and my teachers that I consulted with because I really popped out of my body during this time. And I just like that couldn't function. And I was like, had to go to work. And I'm like, can you get me back in so I can, you know, do some of the work that I have to do. But Everyone has said that at that moment of death, it was liberation for her and that it it was like the way that she needed to go. And uh, she like probably wouldn't have wanted it any other way. But the amount of freedom to be able to live, to leave her body and the emotional anguish and the addiction and everything was so uh, like freeing for her that hearing that, and this is where some of the healing comes in, where I think it's really important to um, reach out to people like yourself and, you know, for mediums to help in the grieving process, because hearing that and hearing that over and over again from different people, like five people, you're probably the fifth person in about a year and a half, it takes the sting out of the way that she died, you know, and it becomes less traumatic for me in thinking about it. Because when you get wrapped up in those details, you know, to think that, you know, what happened to her body and, and all of this stuff, um, you, you can really get into some deep PTSD, you know, and, and trauma with that. And 
suffering, you know, as, as you had said. Um, but then when you hear that and understand a little bit more about maybe these contracts that we come into and we begin to look at relationships in our life differently. And I've always said my mom was one of my best teachers, you know, um, and I learned uh, how to be a really good therapist because of it. And I learned how to hold really good boundaries with people. And you're absolutely right when you touched upon like this really like there was this loving relationship, yet at the same time, I always had to hold boundaries with her because she was a child, you know, and it was like, yeah. And like you said, she would draw people and she was very magnetic, very magnetic. Uh-huh. People would be drawn into her, but uh, there was, she created, I think, a lot of karma, <laughs> Um, you know, with, with others. And it was, I would say in the relationships with men that she left, like they were like disasters, you know, too. I mean, the whole, it was, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty childhood. So when you said earlier on, it's as if you weren't seen. Yeah, because she took, she took the stage, you know, it was always everybody in my family trying to help her to get her on the right track. Um, You know, all the attention went to either her sobriety or her addiction, you know, so and I'm just this child trying to manage it, and make sure that she's alive and lives. And, you know, so it's amazing that you can see all of that and probably so much more. Um, Just there is more. Yeah. Yeah. And right before her death, I was going through a major transition in my business. I felt this intuitive calling and was told that I had to leave my office space. And it made no sense. Beautiful office in Saratoga Springs, New York. And it was like, you have to downsize now. And I'm, and I was at this point where I've had enough teachers that say, when the soul speaks, start, just do it, even if it doesn't make sense. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I find myself contacting this realtor, you know, the realtor, I need to come out of my lease. Okay. I'll pay a little penalty. Where am I going to go? I find an office. The office is like half the amount of rent smaller, but it's sweet two, 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 you know, the what? angel number. Yeah. And then I'm moving and I'm like, what am I doing? Does this even make sense? And then I get the call. And then, you know, the officer shows up at my house that my mom had passed. And the beautiful gift in that, if I didn't listen, I would have been in dire straits of trying to figure out how to financially survive because that quick transition helped me to take almost a month off of work and still be able to pay my bills because my rent was like in half of what I would have paid at the other place. So it was like the universe set me up and loved me so much and took care of me, even though I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm moving my office. I'm in transition. My clients are waiting for me to open back up. And then all of a sudden, Oh, guess what? Your mom just died. And then I was like, Whoa. So when you said that, wherever Chiron was um, and there was a lot of upheaval. There was really good upheaval, super spiritual upheaval that I didn't even know the universe was taking care of me. And then my mother's death. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more in there as well. We could probably keep going on it for a while, but something as you were speaking Um, that just came up and I just dove into the chart again for a second to validate is sometimes when um, people are working with addiction and they know that their time is close, like their spirit knows, their soul knows, maybe their ego and like who's playing in this 3D realm. Maybe that part doesn't know yet, but because your mom plays a bigger role in your life as a out of body, like as a spirit, it looks like 
she was actually orchestrating that for you. She was the one saying, hey, get out of this lease. Don't worry, you're going to be taken care of. Like wow. it's her that was in there working, working like, yeah, there's just there's some magic in there for, for you with her. And what I would say, looking at what I'm seeing right now is for all the ways that you couldn't rely on her in life, you can rely on her now where she didn't understand boundaries before, now she understands. Like, now you can work with her in a completely different way. And it's through, now there's like, there's almost like a, again, it's a word that's coming that I wouldn't have picked, but it's a reckoning. Like, you have to have a reckoning with her. And, you know, the grief process, there's that time of anger and there's that time of like, almost fury sometimes. Like, that's an important piece that unlocks how she can help bring more abundance or help for relationships or whatever it is that you're needing. It's through that reckoning that then you guys mend the lack of boundaries where now she can help. It's, it's kind of interesting. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Well, cool. Well, I'm yeah. glad some of that chart blew your mind um, it did. With, it with the North node and the connection and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, well, thank you. You know, thank you so much for taking the time. And um, this was uh, really a gift. I thank you for the gift of really looking at my charts. And, um, you know, like you said, it was stuff that was validated for me, but also really cool, like this new piece to hear that I feel that she's teaching me and helping with me and I have a better relationship with her now in spirit. Um, so, And that is validated. And then to see how that lines up in the charts is really Really cool. So, Jana, you're amazing. Thank you so much for spending all this time. I don't want to let you go. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but I know you have a family to tend to. And um, yeah, but I know that you're doing some great stuff. So let's take um, some time to let people know again about your membership site, um, where they can, um, you know, sign up for things, come to these moon ceremonies that you're doing, follow you on Instagram, like go for it. Let people know where they can reach you. So the easiest thing, if you can remember attune to the moon, attune to the moon, that's the website, that's the Instagram. And that's where you basically find everything. The membership is really simple. It's well, you know what we're going to do because you're path 11 and the membership is $20 a month, but why don't we give a discount code for your people? So it's $11 a month and we'll just make the discount code path 11, make it really simple. Okay. Um, and then you'll, um, Inside of there, you don't have to be a member to come to the new moon circles or anything, but they, it's all, everything is contained in that one little internet home. I call it the quantum temple. <laughs> and then Instagram's the same. It's uh, attuned to the moon. And then there's also my name, Jana underscore Romer, which we can link in the show notes. I'm sure. I just assume. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yep. And then um, as April mentioned, I'm also on insight timer. I have a course on there. It's called overcoming obsessive thinking. But I actually think it should be called, if you're a human and you have a mind, this will help you. <laughs> it's, it's literally, it's 10 short lessons, no longer than 15 minutes each. And they, um, it's all, I got really nerdy with it. I used a lot of neuroscience and we use breath and we use body scan and just a diverse toolkit of practices. And I think that's, I mean, between Attune to the Moon and Insight Timer, those are the best places to, to find me. So yeah, thank and you so thank much you. for having me. Yeah, and thank You're you just, so much for the discount code for our listeners. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. That. Yes, of course. 
Um, I just really enjoy talking to you. Your energy is amazing. I, you're like equally, uh, light and vibrant as you are connected and clear. And that I find to be amazing. So thank you for being who you. you are. Thank you so much. And I, you have found one of your biggest cheerleaders in me. So um, all of my clients are going to learn about you. I will Thank be sharing you. all your information in my women's wellness groups. And I'm definitely going to attend, you know, some of these moon, moon circles that you have. So I really yeah. love the work that you're doing. I feel very grateful to have met you virtually here, to have yeah. you on the podcast and, um, and just to have time to sit with you. So it was a gift. So thank oh you so God. much. Thank right. you. And thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed um, kind of living vicariously through me to see what a reading is kind of like. And I hope that um, maybe something touched you, touched your heart, touched your life through my story. And as Jana said, I will keep this with me about these seeds that I will be spreading. And uh, that's one of the things that I love to do is to see people grow. So uh, that was also more validation and being the teacher that I am and seeing my my Reiki students and people like that just go off and build their businesses. So um, I love it. I hope uh, this helped people in many ways. And please, you know, check out uh, Jana's website. Again, it's Tune Into the Moon, right? Uh, no, it's Attune no. to the Moon. Attune to the Moon. Okay. Attune to the Moon. Use the discount code PATH11 and uh, help support the wonderful work that she's doing. So take care, everyone. And Jana, thank you so much again. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's podcast. And I'd like to give you a couple of coupon codes before you go. I would first love for you to go to path11tv.com and I'd like you to sign up for your free seven day trial. If you like what we have on there, which I know you will, I would like you to go ahead on checkout and put in the code podcast 30. That's going to give you 30% off of the annual subscription. And uh, the afterlife awareness conference is also giving path 11 podcast listeners $40 off the general admission ticket for the virtual conference this year. You can go to afterlifeconference.com. You can purchase your general admission ticket through Eventbrite and put the code. There's a place in the top left corner. You go ahead and click that coupon code and put in PATH40. Again, that's PATH40, and that's going to give you $40 off of the general admission ticket. So with the Afterlife Awareness Conference, they are also giving you six months of free replays. So if you cannot make the conference on June 24th through the 27th, that's not a problem. We will give you six months to rewatch that conference at your leisure. So again, two coupon codes, path11tv.com. Get 30% off by using podcast 30 and afterlifeawarenessconference.com. Go ahead and use path 40 to get $40 off your general admission ticket. Thanks everyone. Talk to you soon. 